Welcome to AM Best Audio. Alternative assets have become a key part of carriers' investment portfolios, but they require timing and focus. With the year of volatility in the financial markets, the insurance industry is seeing traditional fixed income securities that offer higher yields than in the recent past. How this shift plays out is top of mind across the gamut of carriers and institutional investors. I'm Terrence Stopp, and welcome to this edition of AMBEST TV special presentation, Reimagining Alternative Investments. With us today are two people who keep a tight focus on the investment side of the ledger. Alton Cogart, founder and chief executive officer of independent investment consulting firm, Strategic Asset Alliance, and Stuart Foley, founder of Insurance AUM, and managing partner of Insurance AUM Journal. Stuart, let's start with you. It's been a year of rapid rate increases in turmoil in markets. How has the market for alternative investments changed from, say, six months or a year ago? Well, I think insurance companies originally were pushed into the alternative asset classes. And I think there's a lot of debate on how those are defined, right? But in a search for more yield um, and more return as the book yields of their investment portfolios continue to fall, as rates were very low for a very long period of time. What I think is a little bit different is we've seen an increase in interest rates in the last, uh, in, in 2022, um, which made, um, you know, core bonds straight down the middle, of, you know, a five and a half, six percent return profile, pretty reasonable. So the question is, I think, how are we defining alternatives? Um, and and how how is it? I think the relative value has changed a little bit uh, to take to maybe look at core bonds as um, the relative value for core bonds is considerably different than it was maybe 12, 14 months ago. Yeah, I would agree with Stu on what he's saying as far as the value of investment grade bonds changing significantly uh, during uh 2022 and into 2023. If you look at Z scores or how far yields are away from where they have been, say, over the last 20 years, you see basically bonds went from being undervalued to being overvalued to being undervalued. So that makes them an attractive asset class, of course, without a whole lot of credit risk. Uh, But nonetheless, there is still that interest in alternatives of various types. Right. And Alton, what is the interplay between interest rates and alternative investments from the standpoint of the client? Well, from the standpoint of, of the client, the key is if you're if you're looking at alternatives, the value should somehow be tied. And we can get into valuation of alternatives later. The value should somehow be tied to the discounted present value of future cash flows. So you would argue that if interest rates go up, that the value of the alternatives generally should go down. But that's another question uh, vis-a-vis alternatives, which is how they are valued. So we can discuss that certainly later. So it's sort of the follow-up to that. Are you seeing any shift, any waning um, in, in client appetite for these investments? No, we're seeing an increase. So insurers typically change their asset allocations or their interests in different assets very, very slowly. I give you lots of examples of that. But the important thing to remember is that 
it's uh, for our clients, which are typically insurers with less than five billion in assets, they are taking the first steps, or the first few steps in understanding alternatives. And as Stu mentioned, alternatives can be defined many, many different ways. So uh, it's it's an educational process now more than anything else. Right. And Stuart, speaking of sort of the, the many, many category of these investments, you know, from a base standpoint, what is the purpose of buying alternative investments for insurers? And I think that's a great question. And I think that's it's one that if you ask 10 CIOs, you'd probably get 10 different answers, right? But if, you, if you're thinking about um, a typical investment in, in insurance portfolio that is overwhelmingly investment-grade bonds, do they make an allocation to an asset class that has uh, has lower correlation to movements in interest rates? Is it an allocation to uh, private credit where you can get uh, an increase in yield spread and covenants? Is it uh, an allocation to an asset class that can potentially hedge uh, inflation risk, for example, which is a, a, a double-edged sword for insurance companies? So, it, it, whether it's whether it's looking for an increase in 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 overall investment performance, uh, div, a diversifier from uh, from something that's tied directly to interest rate movements, or um, hedging hedging liability uh, inflation risk. There's a lot of different reasons why insurance companies are interested in alternatives. And Alton, what what do you see as the role of an alternative investment within an insurance portfolio? Uh, I think the diversification is the huge issue there, uh, Terrence. And I think that the related to that is the question we like to ask our clients is any asset class. I don't care if it's large cap equities, something straightforward like that. Uh, which are not alternatives, or all the different alternatives that uh, that Stu is, uh, has just spoken about. The question is, when does it become material, and when is it just cocktail party chatter, right? So, a heuristic we use, and it's imperfect, but a heuristic we use is that five percent of the portfolio. If you can, if when you look at the risk appetite of senior management and the board, if you can. Uh, utilize 5% of the portfolio in alternatives, then that's something to be considered. And now let's talk about that. Let's become a little bit, have everybody more educated on what our alternatives are, what we're trying to accomplish, et cetera. If it's less than say 5%, uh, it's, it's going to be nice to know, but it's not going to be a big impact to your overall operation. When we return, we'll continue looking into all things alternative investments. Alt and I agree that, that Alt have a, a place in the insurance insurance portfolio. Um, they should be returning more than uh, a, a straight down the middle core bond portfolio. And later, what's next in the world of alternative investments? It's hard to say, oh, in such and such an environment, this type of alternative asset class will do, will do better. It's, it's really making that commitment, the education, and the understanding how it fits into or doesn't fit into your overall investment process. I'm Terrence Stop, and this is AMS TV. Alton, 
alternatives really took on more focus over the past decade in the lower for longer climate um, and proved to be a reliable source of yield. Um, are we at a, at a point where some of the traditional investment options provide the same level of yield as alternatives? And in what ways has that under has that sort of altered the underlying fundamental value proposition of alternative investments? Uh, alternatives are, are typically going to yield much, much more than an investment grade a bond portfolio. So uh, their attractiveness is still there. There is the uh, issues of uh, accurate valuation. There's the issues of uh, uh, liquidity and uh, the folks who are the managers of uh, alternative investments are actually trying to work on some of those uh, by offering, for example, different ways of investing beyond just sort of a separate account. So uh, the, the uh, alternatives, because they are riskier, that's just finance, more more return means you get more risk, but because they're riskier, you will get that, that more return over time. Uh, very important I wanted to add is that selection of the firms, the managers of those alternative assets is most important, more important in the alternative space than in the fixed income space, because the variation amongst the folks that manage alternative assets is huge compared to say core fixed income. Sure. Stuart, any thoughts on the topic? Yeah, I mean, I think Alton's right. And in, in, in particular, um, you know, when you start talking about um, in, when you start talking about alternative allocations, if you're not going to make if it's not going to be 5% of the portfolio, I really like that metric that you're using Alton a lot. Um, it, it, it's like there's some there's some work that has to be done to get the investment policy, the investment committee uh, up to speed on a, a different asset class that may have different return characteristics, different liquidity characteristics than they're used to if it's core bonds. And, and it's, and it's, there's, a, there's effort involved there, right? So if it's not going to be a material uh, uh, allocation in, in one that, uh, and, and I was just, I just came back from an event where the, 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 the allocators in the room were talking about, you know, when you make a commitment to the alternative uh, space, you need to stick with that over time, right? You're going to be buying it over time. Vintage matters. And if you're going to, if you're going to go down this path, I think you need to be, have your eyes open um, and commit to it uh, for the longer run. Sure. And Stuart, I, as we've discussed, um, alternative investments, the essential trade-off is higher yield in exchange for liquidity and complexity. Um, what additional sort of care and feeding do these investments require? I mean, it's a really good point and, and a good question, right? So if I've got uh, an investment-grade bond portfolio with a QSIP and I can get all the information readily available to me and my custodian, um, when you start talking about private asset classes, often have a, a great deal of more documentation, a lot more bespoke characteristics that have to be dealt with. And that either means, it may mean an additional uh, software package, it may mean additional uh, uh, 
resources from the investment team. And I, I think that I, I think that it's something that is it effectively reduces the realized yield on a realized return on the investment because there are additional things that you need to do to hold these and account for these these securities. Um, so it's just a consideration. I mean, I think, you know, I think Alt and I agree that that Alt have a, a place in the insurance insurance portfolio. Um, they should be returning more than uh, a, a straight down the middle core bond portfolio, but there are uh, considerations with regard to additional accounting, uh, additional custodial information needs that that may be required. And Alton, does it does that trade off in terms of liquidity and complexity? Does that still make sense? And to what? To what extent has practicality begun to enter the calculus when evaluating these investments? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> well, for us, practicality always enters the calculus, irrespective of the asset class. But the uh, but it's an excellent point you raise, uh, Terrence. The, the fact of the matter is, manager selection in the alternative space is so important, and a lot of times. If you look at the performance numbers of alternative assets generally, the spread is so huge between the top quartile and the bottom quartile that if you don't have access to those top performers, uh, the safest thing to do is just to sit out the dance on that uh, because it's, it's amazing that range of potential performance and how those top performers tend to, let's say, get the best deal, so to speak. Uh, and I think that that's something to consider. And everything that Stuart just said about the educational part, the uh, accounting, the the fact that you've got a board of directors that you have to bring up to speed on this. And I'm reminded of a story from one of our clients when we were initially talking about alternative investments, uh, the uh, CEO of the company said, you know, this makes sense, especially if we can get those managers. But I got to tell you, if this thing, whatever we invest in, blows up, it's going to be hard to uh, explain that to the board and potentially to the press. So insurers should be very cautious when it comes to this asset class but it does and it can, with the right managers, provide a superior risk-adjusted returns and be a positive to the overall portfolio. Sure. And Stuart, what do you think on the topic? Yeah, I mean, I think that one of the things that Alton brought up earlier uh, that's really an important point is there are structures now that are allowing uh, manager of sorry insurers that are smaller to still get access to those managers right so one of the the issues that was just recently discussed at 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 this event that i i went to is um you know is there a competitive advantage of being a larger insurer that you can get access to more managers and i think that there are there are structures in place that are attempting to make uh, to level the playing field because a smaller insurer, uh, you know, certainly uh, 
I don't think anybody wants to put anyone at a disadvantage and not being able to get access to these managers. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm with all all the way with, with regard to, you know, manager selection, being thoughtful about that's really important. And, um, you know, being able to, to uh, see, look at vehicles and structures that allow um, smaller insurers to get access to the same managers that larger insurers have. Up next, we'll look into whether alternative investments still make sense as rates climb. It's hard to say, oh, in such and such an environment, this type of alternative asset class will do, will do better. It's, it's really making that commitment, the education, and the understanding how it fits into or doesn't fit into your overall investment process. I'm Terrence Stopp, and this is AMS TV. Stuart, recessionary fears, geopolitical risk, and inflation have all been recent concerns that have been top of mind for insurers. Um, is there an economic factor to watch over the coming year and how it, and how it could impact alternative investments? Yeah, I mean, I think that I think the, the big economic number that impacts insurance companies significantly is inflation, right? So if you look at, you know, inflation increases the value of the future uh, cash flows of their liabilities, it, it increases the cost of their of their liabilities just flat out. At the same exact time, it erodes the value of their fixed income portfolios, which is overwhelmingly the largest asset class they have. So Alternatives can help can help to alleviate some of that, um, and but it's certainly I mean there's as Alton mentioned earlier there's there's you know in finance risk and return are inextricably linked, and in a, in alternatives if you're going to take on that risk you should be getting uh, a higher rate of return that's that's the trade off that that we all kind of subscribe to, and um, I think I think that you know we we've, we've got to keep our eye out for for Economic weakness, certainly, but um, also managing. If, if I had to pick one one economic number that I was that I was concerned about, it, it's the direction of inflation going forward. I would agree, inflation being incredibly important, but I also think that depending upon the economic situation, there may be areas where managers can take advantage in the alternative space in in some areas. So, for example, let's say. Uh, we go into the uh, much predicted recession. Uh, at that point in time, you could very well find uh, certain uh, credits that have been beaten down, so to speak, and that uh, the manager can then hopefully take advantage of. Uh, it's uh, once again, it's the overvalued, undervalued situation, and in that case, we maybe have a uh, situation where some investments then become. Uh, beat down too much and, and, and undervalued and become very, uh, very attractive. The other part of it is something that very few people are talking about, but at SAA, we think about these uh, things. And one is change in structure of the financial markets. And specifically, uh, what if, here's a what if, what if lenders, for example, s small regional type banks, uh, are squeezed for various reasons coming from uh, losing deposits, et cetera, which in the short term here we're, we're seeing, and they become so strict in their underwriting of loans that it opens up an opportunity 
for, for example, private credit uh, managers to take advantage of that. So once again, changes in the overall economy, whether structure or the recession or, or GDP numbers, et cetera, that can offer also opportunities uh, with an alternative manager who's, so, so to speak, light on their feet. Right. And all, um, has that pressure of the economic forces, has, has that had a disparate impact at all across alternative investments? And which, become, which products become more or less attractive in that environment? Mm, great question. <laughs> if if only if only I knew, Terrence. Uh, I think that uh, it, it's it's going to be a matter of how the economy, U.S. and global, plays out uh, to determine which types of alternative assets make sense. Uh, but hearkening back to what Stu Stewart said, I really think you have to look at this asset class in the long term. And uh, as all risk assets for our clients, we say, you know, take a step back. This is a seven to 10 year commitment you're making. Uh, and that's, that's the way to look at it because over time, that volatility in the asset or that risk in the asset sort of finds its way down over time when you look at large periods of time. So that's why uh, it's hard to say, oh, and such and such an environment, this type of alternative asset class will do will do better. It's it's really making that commitment, the education, and the understanding how it fits into or doesn't fit into your overall investment process. Right, and Stuart, um, where do you see alternatives headed in the next year? Say, I, I think that there's no doubt that there's a continued demand for alternatives by insurance companies, right? The relative value equation has to be looked at given the change in interest rates and the, and the return profile available in, in core bonds. But uh, to Alton's point, the disin disintermediation of banks is gonna keep private credit very viable. It's gonna be an important part of the, of the market, uh, offers insurance companies uh, enhanced yield opportunities. Um, and I think there's, I think there's, I, I don't think that there's anything that's going to, that's going to uh, slow up this, these allocations to alternatives going forward. It's just a matter of, of keeping the relative value in check. And, and for, I think for insurance companies, and I, I really agree with Alton, it's a, it's a, when you're going to make that commitment, you, 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 you invest in it, you stay in it, you're in it every year. You don't come in and out. Vintage matters. Um, and, uh, and, 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 I think it's a long-term part of, uh, of insurance company portfolios um, going forward. Thank you, Stuart, for your final thought. I'd like to go to Alt one more time for his concluding thought. Well, thank you, Terrence. Uh, the concluding thought I have is that alternatives are something that should be considered by all insurers. I think over time, over probably decades, just about all insurers will have some kind of asset allocation in alternatives but right now the key being education both senior management and the board and looking at how this fits into your overall asset allocation strategic asset allocation that's incredibly important and that's the starting point for any discussion on whether alternatives make sense for your insurance company 
Thank you, panelists, one and all, for an outstanding presentation on reimagining alternative investments. That was Alton Cogart, founder and chief executive officer of the Strategic Asset Alliance, and Stuart Foley, founder of Insurance AUM and managing partner of Insurance AUM Journal. For AMS TV, I'm Terrence Stop. Looking to get the full attention of the insurance industry? We have the platforms that will do just that. Whether it be AM Best TV, AM Best Audio, Best Review Magazine, or Best Day. Find out more by calling AM Best Advertising Sales at 908-439-2200, extension 5399, and have a great day.